You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about book quotes and notes, and we're going to hear from our favorite librarian, Brazos Price. But first... What are you reading, Bria? Oh, man. I'm reading a book that um, was suggested to us to us by Johnny Sun when he was on the show. Oh, which one? A um, hundred essays I don't have time to write on umbrellas and sword fights, parades and dogs, fire alarms, children, and theater by Sarah Rule. How uh, is it? It's good. It's actually like, man, if you're looking for a book to like, oh, I'm waiting uh, 10, 10 minutes, this person's 10 minutes late to this meeting, or I'm at a lunch and this person is a couple minutes late, or I'm standing in line. It's like literally the perfect book because almost all the essays are two pages or less. You can so tell you- that Bria is really punctual for her meetings because she's, I feel like you get most of your reading done while you're waiting for people to get No, to I'm actually late for meetings, but everyone else is later. Yeah, welcome I'm, to Los Angeles. I'm about five minutes late to everything I do. Everyone in LA is about 15 minutes yeah, late. This is a problem. That's accurate. Um, but I am usually around five minutes late for everything. And I just, and I do some reading then. And this is the perfect book for that because everything is literally like one to two pages. Um, I'm still at the very beginning of it. I think I've read 16 essays or something like that, which is only really like 16 to 32 pages. Not really that much. And it's um, mostly about theater stuff. So that's been really cool because I, in spite of being an actress, don't have that much of a background in theater. So just like her theories on theater and her theories on uh, stru- like play structure and characters. And I, she has this whole thing about capitalism and characters. Like it was really fascinating. I've really been enjoying it because um, it's just not something I think about a ton. So yeah, I liked it. I'm liking it. What are you reading? Mari? I'm also reading a collection of essays. That Johnny Sun suggested? No, no. This one actually I saw on Roxanne Gay's Twitter oh, or cool. Instagram. I forget which one. Uh, but it's called The Wrong Way to Stay- Save Your Life by Megan Steelstra. And it's just it's a collection of like literary essays all about creativity and fear. The first essay is all about fear. And I'm listening to the audiobook of it and she reads it and it's fantastic. Wow. That sounds cool. So again, that's The Wrong Way to Save Your Life by Megan Steelstra. And that's 100 Essays I Don't Have Time to Write by Sarah Rule. So we're going to take a moment to share a recommendation request. I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for a collection of feminist essays. I'm taking on Book Riot's Read Harder Challenge this year. I thought I used the essay anthology task to learn more about feminism. High five from both of us. Yeah, very cool. Bria, what should this person read? Okay, this was actually a harder question than I thought it was going to be. Because of the essay anthology part. Because I, like, for the S, if it's just essays all by one person, apparently us feminists love writing an essay book. There's so many of them. I have a whole section in my library that's feminist essays. Feminists love essays. I could beat a a misogynist to death with all of the feminist essay books I have. Bury his body underneath a feminist essay book collection. But I actually find an essay anthology was harder to find. Yeah. I, the ones I thought of all came out more than 10 years ago, and I feel like feminism, now this is a conversation that's much longer than this podcast is, but feminism has changed so much over 10 years even. Oh, yeah, it's I, become it, so much more intersectional and inclusive. and Yeah, and I think we're just talking about different things, too. Times have changed. I mean, shit, since Trump's been in the White House, like, yeah. that's that shit has changed everything. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like the essays that would come out now even versus a year ago would be very different. So I couldn't, like, think of any ones that I felt like this is the the perfect feminist essay book. Um, so what I'm going to do is suggest a book that I'm planning on reading for this same book. Uh, what is it called? Read Harder Challenge. 
thing, which is Too Fat, Too Slutty, Too Loud. Do you know about this book? I've heard of it, but I haven't read it yet. It was recommended to me as... As this as this essay anthology thing, and um, it looks good, and so I'm going to recommend this to this person because I, I'm sorry that I couldn't think of any that I was like super like anthology, like the anthology thing. I literally reached out to like the women from my feminist group in college, feminist assemble. I was like, ladies, what should I recommend for this? And we all like kind of like racked our brains, and we all could come up with single writer essay books, but no anthologies, and mm. and. Except for, oh, one that came up, which I thought was really interesting, was one of those rookie yearbooks. You know, Rookie Magazine? Oh, it's great. It's like this feminist. You guys, you guys can't see, but I'm making a very confused She's going, face. No, magazines. I don't read I only, magazines. I only read National Geographic. I, I know you do. I know you're really into the. <laughs> Me and my Nat Geos. Nat Geos. And best, best day of the month, which is when it gets in the mail. Like, what day is that? I forget. You okay. think I would know? I don't check my mailbox very often. Me neither. Um, the, the Rookie is this magazine that's amazing, and it's uh, sort of done for younger women by younger women. I would say women in their teens and 20s. Um, and there's some not that age. Uh, but it's a feminist magazine, and um, every so often they compile some of the best ofs, and they put it out as a book. And those are really cool. I know, I know, I think my friend Emily Gordon has uh, an essay in one of them. Like, there's a bunch of really cool people who have written essays for them. So, that's definitely worth checking out, too. So, I actually, I haven't read the anthology books of those either. But I'm going to suggest two things I've never read. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Mallory? Do you have something you've actually read? Yes. uh, I was really excited about this. Um, So, my suggestion for this is an essay collection called Selfish Shallow this, I have kind of a lisp, so this one's going to be hard for me. It's a she, she sells sea shells in this one. Oh, man. All right. Big breath. Go. Selfish, shallow, and self-absorbed. 16 writers on the decision not to have kids. And it's edit, edited by Megan Dom. And it's not about feminism directly, and there are male writers in the collection. But it's a it's about the, I think because the ability and the privilege to not have children and the decision not to have children is so often a feminist issue. I think it's really relevant. And I love this book when I, I'm, I've chosen not to have children and it has made me, it made me feel less alone and more equipped to deal with people who yell at me because I don't want to have kids. And yeah, it's fantastic. And I totally recommend it. On the same, sorry, I'm just going to keep adding things. Um, I also started, I broke this book out last night called Luminescent Threads that just came out. Have you heard about this? Um, no. It's called Luminescent Threads, Connections to Octavia Butler. And it is, um, it just got nominated for a Hugo. And it's basically women who write sci-fi and et cetera. And they are writing letters to Octavia Butler about how much she meant to them. And it's, I think it's most, I think it's all women of color writing the essays. There's one by Nettie Okorafor, which is one of the reasons I picked it up. And um, that's another sort of like feminist tan. Tangentially, it is a feminist book because Octavia Butler, if people don't know, is a science fiction African American female writer, was writing at a time where there were not many women doing that, and she died. Hmm, she died a few years ago. But these women are all talking about how important it was for her, for her writings were to them when they became writers, and how she was this big feminist influence. So that's another one that actually is pretty good, and I did read some of that last night. So. Ooh. One I actually did read, and I don't feel like such a loser. <laughs> so you can always email your recommendation request to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And we want to thank Danielle, who runs our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. And remember, listeners, we always do a monthly column in Apex Magazine called Page Advice, where we solve a reader problem every month. 
We check it out and subscribe at apex-magazine.com. And Don't- you can also send us questions yeah. for that one. I know you send them for this, but you can send it for that too. And it's only 22 bucks for the entire year. It's not bad. It's a great what ideal. So before we talk about what to do with book quotes and notes, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome, everyone, to the live wrestling spectacular in Los Angeles. So far, the world's most boring wrestling podcast has been destroying the competition. Isn't there anyone who can save us from this travesty? Wait, could it be? It's Titan Fights, the perfect wrestling podcast. Tights and Fights is here to save us from the monotony of boring wrestling podcasts with hilarious conversations. Woke trips through the history of wrestling. And joke about the finer points of people wearing spandex. What a match! And the Tights and Fights podcast will be back every week. Thursdays on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Please, these hosts have families. Tyson Fights Podcast. Tyson Fights. This week, we're talking about a big reader issue. You're reading... And you're on your Kindle or on the page or maybe in your ears if you're listening to an audiobook, and boom, there's an amazing quote. Maybe it's wicked funny or inspiring or it solves a problem you've been having or it makes you feel less alone. After years of being a reader, you end up with a lot of quotes. What do you do with them all? Bria, are you a quote saver? I am a quote saver. I do a lot of highlighting on my Kindle when I can remember how to do that. It's a little more complicated than I feel like but it should be. But we got that hot tip from someone who someone, said to make the guys, font smaller. I'm just repeat this hot tip. When it takes more than one page, you make the font smaller and you can just totally highlight all on one page because it's too hard to highlight on double pages on a Kindle. Genius. Yeah. Um, Sean just died when we said that because he was like, this is too dorky. Do you need to leave? Do you need to go home? <laughs> Sean cannot handle that. That was too dorky for him. I love that that's the lie. Uh, that was what got you right there? <laughs> anyway. can you, Sean, can you believe people actually have had sex with me and Bria? <laughs> Isn't that amazing to you? <laughs> can you believe anybody listens to this podcast? Oh, no. <laughs> um, so I like to highlight on my Kindle, I like to highlight quotes from nonfiction books and self-help style books. Those are my fave. I have so many from Sheryl Sandberg uh, quotes highlighted, and I have so many from Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. That's one I read recently. I highlighted the shit out of that one. I am I was very like, familiar. So many things that I was like, oh, I do need this cooling pad to sleep on at night. Highlight is going to change on. my pa- life. You got like a cool, what's it called? Cool beans? <laughs> Chill pad. Yeah, that sounds right. It, cool beans is for cats. Cool beans is a better name. It I'm gonna be good. real. No, I my my partner is obsessed with Tim Ferriss, and we have all of his books, and they're in our kitchen and covered in post-its and highlights. Things Should I and- say I'm not obsessed with Tim Ferriss? But I got in. I was like, this book was like they just went through. They're like, well, how did all these millionaires? What are their habits that they think are important? And the only thing I learned from the book is that all of their habits are different, and so there's no real re- way yeah. to become a millionaire. Um, but they all did really like that cool pad. We do sleep on it every night. It's really nice because we have so many cats, and they like I get really hot when I sleep. And with all the cats, one they generate heat, but they also trap me under the blanket. So if if like if Alan has any hope of sleeping at all, we have to sleep on this cooling pad. But it's really nice. Yeah, that's one of the ones thing. Anyway, I highlighted that. I did not ever buy it. Oh, well, if you ever want to house it and uh, sleep on the cooling pad, 
I highly recommend it. <laughs> Do you highlight stuff in books? Oh, man. Uh, I'm all about good book quotes. Uh, sometimes they end up tattooed on my body. Great. I have a lot of book quotes tattooed on my body. I have a quote from my favorite book, which is Neil Gaiman's Stardust on my back, and it says, have been unavoidably detained by the world. Expect me when you see me. In the book, it's plural, but I changed it because I'm only one person. What um, what, what was it in the book? Uh, have been unavoidably detained by the world. Expect us when you see us. Because oh. it's talking about two people, but I am just a me. Sure. By myself. As far as you know. As far as I know. Me and all the ghosts that are living in my brain. My dad always used to say, you got a mouse in your pocket when people talk Oh, I love that's my favorite school. I laugh so hard when people say that, when people are like, we, are like, we, what do you got, a mouse in your pocket? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. My, oh, I love that so much. I should write that down. It's a good quote. You got a mouse in your pocket? Uh, so my favorite thing to do with quotes is, I because I, you know, as you guys know, I'm a physical reader, so I write them down on Post-it notes, and I put them on my mirror. Like, I have a big dressing mirror in our bedroom. And I have a rotating series of inspiring quotes up there. So I see it in the morning and it gives my day a little boost. And then once I realize that I haven't looked at it in a while, I'm like, mm, I should probably put a new quote up there. So right now it's um, a quote by Melissa Phoebos, who is one of my favorite nonfiction writers and her book, Whip Smart. And it says, the unknowable is frightening and difficult to trust. But what is the alternative? Ooh, I like that. I love that. That's quote. so good. It's so good. So there are a lot of ways to appreciate and save quotes from books. Of course, you can highlight or underline if the book is a physical book. If it's a Kindle, you can highlight and save it. If it's an audiobook, you can record it in your phone and play it back or yeah. you know, write it down. Uh, keep, you can keep a note in your iPhone or your smartphone or whatever kind of, like, I always say iPhone but because I, I have an iPhone. But every, people have a lot of other smartphones. They do? Yeah, weird, right? I guess they do. Somebody does. So you can keep a note in your phone and, and just keep the quotes on there. Oh, yeah. Also, what's great about Kindle is that uh, it keeps your quotes from library books. I didn't think it did. I actually went and checked uh, because I was like, I wonder if it's keeping – because I check off, out a lot of books from the library and then highlight stuff. But I can go through, and that quote is forever yours on the Kindle website, Aww, which little, is kind of nice. A little memento for you. So, like, while I was doing this, I went and looked. And had a whole walk down memory lane looking at like at all the quotes I had highlighted in my Kindle. And apparently I there was one and it was like compared a woman to a whisper. And apparently I thought I needed that at some point. And I like that I found that. No idea why that was highlighted. Don't hardly remember the book. <laughs> so, I love that Sean is on his phone right now on t- probably on Tinder trying to find women that are less dorky than us. <laughs> So true. I was looking up Octavia Butler before. You were Octavia Butler? Wow. Check it out. 2006. She died in 2006. Thanks, Sean. So sad. So uh, you can get a journal and write down quotes in there to have as like a book of inspirational stuff. You can get crafty if you're a Bria and put it on a mug or a candle or other things. Candles. That I don't... I've done that. I put them on candles before. I don't know about any of these things because I'm not crafty, but you can needlepoint it. Yeah. If you, have a, if you have a good one, you can put it on a greeting card for somebody, which is kind of sweet. Yeah. Make it into a t-shirt. Maybe will, someone will recognize it and you'll make a book friend. If it's a really famous quote, uh, if you look it up on Etsy, someone has already made that t-shirt. Someone's already made that t-shirt or put it on a candle, put it on a clock. You know, what? I don't know. What? <laughs> Did you just what? scream? <laughs> what happened? A clock. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like on Etsy, there's like just a bunch of shit on clocks and like, Why? like a teddy bear with Who like a shirt and the shirt says anymore? something or you know, like. You want to know something really weird about me? Go. I can't read analog clocks. I thought you were going to say I can't read. <laughs> We literally have to shut down the podcast. We've been lying this whole time. Mallory can't read. This is the <laughs> I was just the world's greatest actress. 
Mallory's been lying about all these books. You I go to her house, you open another book, and they're, they're all, all blank. They're all blank. That's guys, that's honestly, that's the secret. That's how I read so many books, because I don't read them. <laughs> so we, you go over to Mallory's house, and she's flipping through a blank book, acting like she's And so reading. you open them up, and there's just this cat hair and snacks, and all of them are all cut out. <laughs> no, I can't read clocks. Oh, oh that the weirdest I know, thing? I have trouble with that, too. Because my whole thing is... That's because we grew up in a generation where you didn't need that. Fuck well, that clock. No. It's like, people can't read sundials. You don't need that anymore, do you? <laughs> it's a sundial a clock. <laughs> okay. Wow. <laughs> well, the big hand, hours are bigger than minutes, so why is the big hand for minutes? It doesn't make any sense to me. But you just, you do know it, though. You yeah, just but said it, ta- it right uh, there. It takes, I know, but it'll take me a few minutes to sit there and yeah, puzzle it out. I feel like minutes, Indiana Jones... like a, a minute. Like minutes, it takes you minutes yes. to read an. <laughs> yes, that's why. Anyway, back to book quotes. Don't say, we're not. Uh, you guys, if you like clocks and want to put quotes on clocks, you can totally do that. But as you can t- probably tell, me and Bria are not gonna not gonna try that particular craft. We we might not. I definitely don't. I well, actually I do own some clocks, but they were just like here at my house when I moved in. Anyway, um, one time I, I I made a stamp out of a quote. I quoted a quote. I put a quote into like I took a piece of rubber and then I spent a really long time, really carefully and delicately qu- carving out the backwards. Quote. No, <laughs> that was the problem. And then when I finished, I was like, yes. And I put my ink on there and I stamped it, and it was backwards because oh. I forgot that you have to do it backwards. Oh. I was real dumb, real dumb move. But see, if you had been there just to say that one word, I just this is what happens when I'm alone, or I just think I can do things all by myself. So, saving book quotes that you love is an awesome. It's also an awesome way to make books more memorable. If you have a hard time remembering books, save a quote, but also remember to put the title and the author, and then that can help solidify that book in your brain a little bit more. That helps for with me sometimes if I see a quote and I'm like, oh, I remember that scene. Oh, I remember all that. Oh, oh yeah, that I like that. Except I have this woman whisper thing, which I think I even told me you what book Google it was from, it. and I still don't remember oh, it. Interesting. Yeah, Kindle tells you, like, or Amazon tells you, or whatever. Um, another awesome way to do book quotes is they're a great way to recommend a book to somebody. If you oh, yeah. write the book down on like a post-it and stick it to the front of the book or the like the digital version of this, it shows how great the writing is and something that you love from the book at the same time. It's yeah. kind of a cute way to recommend a book to somebody. Or on Goodreads, you could put it down on Goodreads, a quote, one of the quotes, and then I might inspire someone to actually pick up the book and read it. Yeah. And just remember, some of us have bad memories. That's me. So make sure you credit who you're quoting when you are quoting a book. Like, if you put a great quote on your Instagram under this, like, beautiful black and white photo of yourself looking into the distance and preparing for your long trip across the world in a Western outfit. What? I don't know. If you're doing that and you quote someone. Western outfit? Like a cowgirl outfit? That's what I pictured. Like the like a like a sort of like Western adventure, like an Annie Oakley situation. Didn't oh she she shot things right? No idea. You're from Texas. You have to know this stuff. I don't think she was from there. She was a fake Texas. (laughs) Fake Texas. Maybe she's from Oakley. Is that a place? Oakland. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) if you quote, if you put a cool quote, make sure you put the credit the author, so that way people will go look up that book, and also people who've read that book will go, oh, I did read that. So you can send your favorite book quotes to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we hear from our friend Brazos the Librarian, we're going to take a quick break. Shirts, stickers, patches, posters, tote bags, aprons. Sure, you might have some of these things already, but do they rep your favorite Max Fun shows? We've got brand new items in stock at maxfunstore.com. 
So why not stock up on gear that shows off the podcast you love? MaxFunStore.com. It's good stuff. We swear. And now we're going to do our segment, Ask a Book Professional. We have my friend Brazos Price here from uh, Georgia. He's a librarian in Georgia. Hey, Brazos. Hey. So we were talking about virtual reality and books. Let's talk about that for a second. How will virtual reality as a new technology possibly affect books and the library and my reading experience? The one kind of quick way that you might see it be introduced. So books are... uh big component in certain types of games a lot so you will take a book out and read in, it for background games. yeah in the game there's games like skyrim the elder scroll series there's like of huge amounts of like lore around the series that you can read in the actual universe uh, and the way that you interact with those books in some ways kind of takes you out of the game because in the game you're moving around and doing stuff but then you go into this menu screen and you're oh, and just pressing a button, and it's yeah, just like and then it's like you press like left or right arrows right, when you're right, not, right. you know, or you click a button to like go to the next page. So you can imagine like as these sort of games transition into virtual reality, the actual act of reading a book might be more natural for a person. So like for the HTC Vive, which is one of the big pieces of hardware for VR right now, there's two kind of hand things, and the computer tracks your hands. So you could see actually making the motion that you do right now to read a book, the page motion, transitioning that into virtual space. And we already have books encoded for like digital reading, like ebooks. Oh sure. All you would really need to do to automate the transition from that to VR is to like write some sort of script that can do that. Just, so just plug it right in. Yeah. And we're digitizing all sorts of things. And so it's possible that me as an ebook reader, mm-hmm. I would just put on my virtual reality goggle headset mm-hmm. and then have my two little things and, and it's it would basically mimic the reading of a book. Yeah, you, you make the same hand motions that you make. You can feel like weight in a different way. This is the one complaint I always hear about ebooks. Because as an ebook reader, people are like, well, don't you miss the paper? And I'm like, I do actually. This would be somewhere in between an ebook and an actual book. Yeah. I think books are a wonderful technology that are power independent. So I don't imagine that will ever change, but you can see some potential use cases, I think, for virtual reality and when it comes to reading. Now, whether that like supplants ebooks or like is in another category or isn't doesn't take off at all, who can say, but that's fun to speculate. The other thing actually is I don't go to the library as much because I do read ebooks. Um, I wonder if there's also some sort of application for it there where I you put on your virtual reality headset and then you <coughs> walk around a library and I actually get to look at the spines of books, which I really enjoy Absolutely. doing, and do more browsing than I do now. Because now I go in, I type in a book, and then I check out that book. I don't do any browsing. I just mm-hmm. look for that title. Mm-hmm. And that would be an interesting application for it. Absolutely. I think the libraries tried to use the technology Second Life. Oh, uh, sure, of course. Remember that one? Yeah. yeah. It's, I, think, I think it's still around, but that, that company is moving into VR space. Oh, um, yeah. They're doing, doing a new product. Facebook's like looking at VR heavily. They bought Oculus. I hope that libraries figure out how we, you know, we can fit in because I think you're right. I think there's, you know, certain types of serendipitous discovery that can take place in a physical building and virtual reality is the best sort of digital technology to recreate physical experience than that we have right now. Yeah. And you could 
literally walk through and and pick out a book and read the back of it like you do in a bookstore or in a mm-hmm. library or something. And you could ask for help, right? So like one of the great oh, yeah. things is you know, you could call for a, a librarian and then you actually see what that person is looking at, what you're looking at. And so it, it does recreate that traditional browsing experience and the human interaction that you get in the library. So there's a lot, I think there's a lot of potential. We'll see how it all shakes out, but I do think it's really interesting. And there's a lot of like ways that this sort of stuff could go. This stuff always scares me because I'm like, the interaction, but then we're never leaving our homes. We're yeah. literally sitting here. <laughs> we never go to the library. But you know what? I'm not going to the library much anyway because yep. of the ebook situation. It's so much easier for me to just stay at home Absolutely. and check out 15 books at a time. Yeah, who yeah. wants to get in the car, right? No. Yeah. I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I already get yeah. in the car too much. Too get, much. get in your VR kit instead. <laughs> my VR car. Your VR and then car. And I'll drive in my yeah. VR car to, to the, the library. library. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. Absolutely. So now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Samantha writes in, I've been reading a lot in my downtime, which, as you both have said on the show, has been great to reclaim time to invest in myself. It feels like such a luxury and a great and productive way to unwind. The problem is that my husband loves watching TV and is used to us watching TV together. Now that I'm choosing reading for my leisure activity, he plays his Xbox on mute, which is fine, but it doesn't allow for us to really spend time together. How do you spend time with your partners while reading? Is it possible? He loves to read, too, if that helps. He just prefers to read before Bed. Can I just ask a quick question? Do you have to mute the Xbox or can you wear headphones so you oh, can hear it? Wouldn't it? It would have to be really long headphones if it's from coming from the TV all the way to the couch. Cats are going to get... Sean is literally pointing at the uh, the long headphone... Well, you just have wireless ones. Wireless ones. Can you imagine if I had headphones that were that long? My cats would just go crazy. You got to go... We got to invest in the wireless. Uh, wireless, but, he says. Well, but we don't wireless. need to do that. Wireless. I will tell you why. <laughs> Okay, go. What do you? What, how do you solve this problem for Samantha? As someone who is deeply ensconced in a reader, reader co-reading relationship, Samantha, I think your problem might already be solved. First off, if you two are sitting next to each other and you're reading, even if he isn't reading but he's playing Xbox or watching TV or whatever, you're still spending time together. Agreed. You both don't need to have to be reading. If it's taking, in, if you're both, if you're, if you, what, what you want out of this is to take in the same story at the same time. Why not pick an audiobook together? Then you can have book time in the car or while cooking or cleaning or laying in bed. Uh, Alan and I listen to audiobooks together on road trips or while we're doing chores, and it's awesome. And then at night, if he doesn't want to read at night, I read on the couch and he plays his— Xbox? Oh, PlayStation 4. He plays his PlayStation, wow. but I, I don't—he doesn't put it on mute because I can read when things and are happening. This is actually a shocking thing about you to me, which is that you— can read while someone's playing a video game next to I can to you. read do, while anything is happening. Is he like you could shooting drop me out and like of a yelling helicopter. at teenagers who are like on their headphone headsets? No, Alan's no. very zen. He doesn't. He also doesn't play online. But you could drop me out of a helicopter and I could read on the way down. Wow. I'm just, that's the only thing I'm good at. Why would you do. need to do that? What In what scenario what would you need to What if you have a read? really long fall? What do you take you 10 minutes to get to the ground? It's <laughs> a lot of reading you can get done. Bria, what should Samantha do? Um, you know, I'm agreeing with you. You know, um, I think that they are spending some time together. Um, but I do think, what about this? Maybe they could actually read the same thing because her husband, she said, it's her husband, right? Her husband, her boyfriend, her partner. What is yes. it? Husband. It's her husband. Sorry, I don't want to put labels where there aren't any labels, but you guys have chosen a label, so it's a husband. <laughs> anyway, um, you guys could do sort of a two-person book club type thing. So you can discuss when you do spend time together. So, for example, 
Um, you guys both read the same book. You're both. He likes reading, you know, and he's only going to do it before bed. Fine. You're going to get through that book a lot faster than him. Maybe you're reading two books at once. But you could also read the same thing so that way you when you do spend time together, you can discuss that book. So you're still like, so you can participate in this. You don't feel like you're being antisocial because you're doing something you guys are going to talk about later. And um, it's a cool new way for you guys to bond. It's a two-person book club. Hell yeah. And you can, and especially if you like kind of the same things, he can go do that. You can read the book. And then at night you read a different book while he's reading the book that you just read. And he can bring up stuff to you that you've read. Yeah. Is that very complicated? Did I make that too complicated? I think it sounds more complicated than it actually is. Just read the same book. That's yeah. all I'm at, saying. Why not try reading the same book? Boom. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And if you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. It's really great for us and helps us reach more readers. Reading Glasses is pleased to offer interactive transcripts of the show through Greta. Go to G-R-E-T-T-A dot com slash reading underscore glasses to read and turn your favorite reading glasses moments into clips that you can share out on social media. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Reading G Podcast, on Instagram at Reading Glasses Podcast, on Litzy at Reading Glasses. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks, thanks for, for reading. reading. In a literal sense, the work of art like Achilles' shield may be entirely useless. It serves no practical purpose in the world, but it is difficult, sometimes impossible, to return to battle without it. It sets its bearer's action in a context of meaning. Violence and death are all around, but although inescapable, they are not all. The work of art shelters us, meanwhile, from injury and pain. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.